0: If you're interested in breaking into multimedia journalism, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is the CEO and executive editor of the Philippines-based online news organization, Rappler.com. She was also the 2018 Time Magazine Person of the Year, among many other awards. But before I introduce you to Maria Ressa, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays, and it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Maria Ressa, the co-founder, executive editor, and CEO of Rappler, the top digital-only news site that's leading the fight for press freedom in the Philippines. As the head of Rappler, Maria has endured constant political harassment, and she's been arrested twice and forced to post bail nine times in order to stay out of prison, all of it ordered by the Philippine government led by its authoritarian president, Rodrigo Duterte. Maria has been honored around the world for her work in fighting disinformation, fake news, and attempts to silence the free press. In 2018, she was named Time Magazine's Person of the Year, and she won the prestigious Golden Pen of Freedom Award from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers. During her 30-plus years as a journalist working in Asia, and prior to co-founding Rappler in 2012, Maria served as CNN's bureau chief and correspondent based in the Philippines and in Indonesia. She then went on to work for every major television network in the Philippines, including as the senior vice president of the largest multi-platform news operation in the Philippines. Maria, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you Caffeinated
1: there in Manila and ready to go. Definitely, and it is so good to hear you again. And, oh my gosh! See you briefly, Andrea, nice to see you.
0: I know. We'll, we'll get more into this in our main time for coffee interview. But in case our listeners are wondering, Maria and I go way, way back to the early nineteen nineties when she and I were both cub reporters. Actually, we were not really cub reporters. We were broadcast journalists who were working in Asia. I was in Japan and then China. And you, of course, were in the Philippines and Indonesia. So we go way, way back. And one of many reasons I wanted to bring you on time for coffee because, oh, my goodness, Maria, you are such you really are. You've become an icon for so many of us.
1: You know, I feel like i am just putting one foot in front of the other, but wait, her very modest thing about how how we we started or when we first met each other, Andrea Koppel was the superstar oh my God, bureau no. chief, and I was trying to learn how to do stand ups by watching her stand ups so let's put that in perspective. <laughs>
0: Well, all I can say is, Maria, you have come a long way from having to watch my stand-ups. Holy cow. So let's dive into our 10 espresso shots. And these are questions to help our young listeners interested in digital journalism to learn how to break into it. So the first espresso shot, Maria, is what entry-level jobs
1: are available to young people who want to get into this field? I mean, you know, don't even wait for a job. You, This is the internet. And on the internet, you just need a great idea. Understand the pipes of how you get it out and how you distribute it. So you can start that while you're in school. And then the same skills of journalism are what you would use to put out quality content. Here's Here's the caveat in that is that there is like an exponential fire hose of content. It is, there's a lot of stuff out there. So think of, you know, your first ones are going to be your, your, you practice to find your, the hard part, you almost discover that in real time, publicly, that's tough. So that's, that's the only thing I would say. But other than that, you know, the principles of journalism, the, 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 the standards and ethics of journalism, you can learn that in in news organizations, but now with with every with Coursera with everything available, look, listen to professors, but in the end, experiment yourself because no one knows where this is headed, and we are all in the same boat. Mm, so
0: true, Maria. What is a useful hard and soft skill that you look for in the young people that you hire at Rappler?
1: I, it's strange, I, I can think of two soft skills that are really like, aren't mentioned enough, especially when everyone from marketers to, you know, ev- when everyone is talking about how to make your voice heard. I think the first is learn to listen, because that is a critical skill. So, you know, when when the world is shifting under your feet, when we live on quicksand, when you listen, you will be in a better place to figure out where to to put your foot down next, where the next step is going to be, and then you know, hand in hand with that is the ability to experiment and organize. You, this is a time of massive, like throwing spaghetti against the wall kind of time, and you know, from from the starting journalist to 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 us in the field to people running news groups, it is a time to throw spaghetti against the wall. So. How do you do these types of controlled experiments? How do you stay agile enough? You know, gone are the days when we could establish workflows for our groups and then stick to it for five years. That is like a decade ago. So this is, I guess, I I gave mostly soft skills. Did I (laughs) learn to write? Actually, (laughs) is is the best thing.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree. But I also think, and we will get into the wonderful. 2020 commencement speech that address, I should say, that you gave to Princeton, to your alma mater. And yes. in it, you talked about, well, you alluded to, and actually, Maria, now I'm thinking maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe it was when you spoke to a Princeton class, you were talking about data. So
1: isn't yes. data yes. science Absolutely. important? So on those skills, definitely I think you've got to learn a little bit of coding. You don't have to you have to understand the principles. Like I've coded something very rudimentary, but I am not going to spend my time learning to code, but I do want to understand it because it's like building you build on top of that. And then what travels on the those types of plans. people like saying data is the new oil. It you know, I like Jim Balsillie's data is plutonium. Data is what underpins both the best and the worst of what is happening to our world today, right? The, the Shoshana Zuboff called it surveillance capitalism, the kind of over-extraction of data, what, what's been called behavioral surplus, has been used to manipulate us, is being used to manipulate us. So yes, long-winded way of saying, Andrea, you are absolutely correct. If, you know, <laughs> The one thing that that happened from the time we were were deciding we were going to be journalists, I think, is that technology has turned the world upside down and data is being mined at a scale we cannot we couldn't even have fathomed. So understand both those levers and then, you know, you that will feed into every career that you're going to you could take.
0: Yeah. Great advice. Thank you. What about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into digital journalism? In other words, if they haven't studied journalism, Maria, is it a deal breaker?
1: No, not at all. In fact, depending on where you enter the, our profession, you will come at it with different insights. I think the, the best fun of journalism is that you know, in the end, you're interviewing people who are doing things. But now by the very act of doing journalism, you are actively changing your world, the world of the people around you. Because I don't think at more than at any other time in history, information is power. And this goes back to data and tech, right? The the manipulation, the, the death by a thousand cuts of our democracies around the world, all this is happening on social media, with technology with journalism and the way i think about it is you know the the pyramid technology gives you the pipes the kind of today the insidious manipulation of how it's delivered to you but the second layer is journalism because journalists deliver the facts without it's impossible we can't go beyond our little matrix pods so you can come in as a psychologist and you would you could work on the tech and Design part, you can come in on audience growth and, 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 and learn how to build a community around the journalism that is created, right? Gone are the days when we think of journalism as just the content journalists create. There's a whole ecosystem. It's like an entire new world has, has sprung up around it and any major will bring you into this. But I think the best, I think the most defining part of the profession of journalism is adherence to the values, the mission of journalism, to hold power to account, that's public and private sector, the standards and ethics of journalism, which we all live by, you know, and evidence-based reasoning. And then I think more than anything, the courage to speak truth to power. I mean, Andrea, you know that, right? Like, you've had so much courage challenging the people we we interviewed. I, I think this is you know, in the age of marketers, where it is about getting yourself out there and and the incentives for distribution are actually, you know, overblowing or even lying. In fact, if you go by the data, lies spread faster than facts, right? This is a given. So how do you, how do journalists stand out in this? Well, first we fix the ecosystem, but I think more than at any time, Despite whatever power you are dealing with, you have to have the courage to hold that power down. That's what makes a journalist a journalist.
0: Maria, whatever chutzpah I would prefer to use, that word that I use to stand up and ask questions pales in comparison to the capital C courage that (laughs) you're exhibiting to this day. So thank you, but I'm sorry, my friend. (laughs) Two different types of courage here. Maria, what about a graduate school degree? Is it necessary, less so for somebody who, well, even maybe for somebody who wants to come in at an entry level, because if they studied something else, do they need a graduate school degree to get into journalism? Do you think it's useful? Maybe if somebody wants to run a news organization the way that you are, is it important to have one? And if so, are there degrees that you would recommend they get? And I say that knowing that you don't have a grad school degree and I don't have a grad school degree.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Look, it's always a balance, right? When you take the time out to study, you take it away from real world experience on the front lines. So at a time of, I always, I've overused this phrase, creative destruction. Do you want to be studying what others are doing or do you want to go try and do it yourself? Both approaches can work, right? I've never, and saying with you, Andrea, like we were doing breaking news at a time when it was breaking news, when CNN was at the forefront of the, of, of dealing with that globally. And I, while I wanted to, I never could take off the time. I would think that, the one thing journalists you know and I don't know if I would go for a full graduate degree but learning product management this is something that journalists we never had and something that I learned when we started to to build our own tech right agile development agile management it's and it's all the tech parts because I think the the difference today is that you can't focus on a news organization alone it's it's all of the things that, you know, a Facebook will do, a news organization should be doing. In fact, most news organizations outsource the most important parts of building community to Facebook, which is a wrong principle to begin with, right? So, so my quick answer to that is no, I don't believe you need a graduate degree, but you better read care a lot. Like we've always had to read a ton before, but right now everything is changing and you want experiment in the right direction. And then you want to be able to, to, to kill the experiments when they fail so you can keep moving on. Otherwise, this is a perpetual treadmill. It, it's like in the past when we were both with CNN, we would do our stories and we could kind of limit our world. We do the stories and that was what we could focus on. Now, in this day and age, it is everything. I, I, I talk about the three pillars of rapper, you know, which is tech journalism and community, you know, and and building community, which is as important as the journalism. That building community is a part that is rarely understood by journalists who grew up at the time we did. So Hmm. bring your digital, you know, creativity to this. It is about building communities of action. That's the mission of Rappler in 2012. My elevator pitch is we build communities of action, the food we feed that these communities Is our journalism.
0: Wow. Maria, super quickly, what do you mean by product management?
1: Journalists and tech start at complete opposite ends, right? Journalists start with infinite possibilities and then the process of journalism brings you narrows it down. Tech is the opposite. You think about your what you want to do. And then you deconstruct it brick by brick until you have a roadmap that is connected to building it because you have a finite amount of resources. Product management is the process of building, looking at everything, whether it is, whether it is time for coffee as a product. And when you look at it as a product, you look at it on every front, right? That would be the tech, the distribution the content, the monetization. The product manager would be in charge of making sure this product, as it is built, as it evolves, hits all the stakeholders. And I think that's the biggest thing. Tech has lots of fancy words that grew out of Silicon Valley, like agile management, like their management, you know, it used to be called management by objectives during our time. Now it became KORs and KPIs. So I think a product manager is something that our CNN, when we were there in the nineties to two thousand, didn't have a product manager. We didn't need it then. Now, you know, I struggle in Rappler all the time to to define it. But I wanted a product manager, not out of tech, but out of journalism. Okay. I know that's a really long, long. No, it's uh, it's fascinating. The- <laughs>
0: It's fascinating. Yeah. It sounds like they're just, there really isn't a super short way of describing it. I would just recommend that our listeners do some Googling, check it out, yeah. educate yeah. themselves as to what product management looks like in the context of journalism. And I have no doubt that Maria has spoken about this in other contexts. Check it out. <laughs> okay. We've got five more espresso shots. What okay, kind of shut up and make it quick? No, 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 no. I just want to be respectful of your time, my friend. So what kind of life experiences, Maria? Those experiences we have outside the classroom. Things like you emigrating to the United States when you were 12 years old and starting at a public school in New Jersey, not really knowing what the heck was going on. You know what I'm saying? All these different experiences that we have in our lives, do you think are the most useful ones for someone starting out in journalism? Oh, wow.
1: I think more than at any other time, I would focus on one, which is empathy. We used to you know, say you walk in the other person's shoes, it's it's a really good, but empathy in, in everything, like all of your experiences in life will come to bear when when you write in your journalism, right? The fact that the correspondent before me at CNN was, I don't you know, you'll remember him maybe, but he was tall and he's a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male and I'm a very short five you know, brown Filipino American. That those things have an impact. I think American newsrooms are grappling now with issues of identity and how far should journalists identify or go to civic action based on on their ethnicity, based on their race, based on their their gender. Right. So, I think this is. I think the, the just on a whole, understand self awareness is is critical in everything you're going. Going through, you have to define your whys, and then your lived experiences will help determine how you approach the people you interview, how you put these things together. Andrea, I think you have the greatest imp- empathy, and this was part of what showed in your stand ups. What you're doing, you know, it's uh, television is the weirdest way to be natural, and, and now with the internet, with, you know, with. We've, we've stripped away a lot of those things that formal television demanded of us. But now it goes down to issues of identity. And I think connected to journalism, what objectivity is, is actually greater transparency about who you are and what, you know, aside from the standards of ethics of a news organization or whatever who, your own that you put out there, it's just being transparent about it. That's mm. the new objectivity, right? Transparency is the new objectivity.
0: I love that. Thank you. That was incredible. Maria, what is the best part for you of being a journalist, being an executive of a news organization <laughs> like Rappler?
1: <laughs> Cuz it's very different from the time at CNN to Rappler, right? I mean the best <laughs> right. part? Look, the best part of Rappler is that we created it. We created it, you know, it was nothing in, and in 2012, we started our own website. We learned, it's very humbling to let, despite by that point, I'd already been a journalist for decades and, and I realized how little I knew. So that's the other part. So I think, you know, it's such a, it's such a, I think we're at an existential moment for journalism. And by extension, for democracy, so everything that you do now will matter if you're you're in this, but sorry, the last part I would say about what I do in Rappler is it's a it's an organization that was created by four women we're all roughly the same age, and we hired the smartest twenty somethings we could find because a we knew what we didn't know, but then the other part is, that's what the industry demands right now. It's this you know fusion of experience and wisdom, I hope, with the idealism and energy of the youth. That's what's going to create our world tomorrow. Mm, that is beautiful and hopefully incredibly inspirational
0: to our young listeners, because we need you. We need you to be in this field. Holding people accountable. The flip side, Maria, what is the part of your current job, and I'm guessing I know what the answer is going to be, that sucks the most?
1: <laughs> you know, it, it is the, it, it's the part that I hate, but also the part that gives me the most insight. And this is when you hold power to account, power doesn't like it and you can be attacked. So starting in 2016, we came under, my organization, Rappler, came under intense attack. First online, state-sponsored disinformation networks began attacking us exponentially. And then 2017, President Duterte came on board in his State of the Nation address, attacked us. And 2018, we had, you know, within a week of President Duterte attacking us in 2017, we got our first subpoena. And then it was the weaponization of the law. I, in 2018, the government filed 11 cases against us. And then I, in 2019, had eight arrest warrants filed against me. That's when I was arrested a few, twice in a five-week period. Valentine's Day, all around that time period. I kind of, well, then of course in 2020, of the first case, I was convicted in cyber libel for a story that was published in 2012, the first year we were up, that I didn't write, edit, or supervise for violating a law that didn't exist when we published that story. So does that sound like the upside down? It is a crazy world, right? So. This is the part I hate, but at the same time, it's also if you embrace that, which I did because that's the only way to deal with it. I learned that it gave me great insight into how not just to fight back, but how to create journalism that is both relevant and impactful today, right? So the greatest source of insight and creativity is also the part that keeps me awake at night right, that could get me sent to jail. So it's uh, it's like Andrea, we go back to the time when we said is a, is is it you know is one ma- one man's freedom fighter is another man's terror. So it goes back to that. That's the point I guess, you know, the things that that are that are extremely challenging are the ones that will make you grow the most. Or maybe that's just my rationalization for dealing with all of it. <laughs> no, I actually,
0: I, I hear where you're coming from. And there are philosophers and others who say that it is through painful experiences that you grow the most. Yes.
1: yes well, that's definitely, you know, even with Rappler, the fact that the government began attacking us in 2016, made us, you know, we're we're almost, I hate to say bulletproof, but you know, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, we were particularly well poised to do it because at the time when I was getting all these arrest warrants, Rappler did very well in 2019 because we were forced to pivot out of an advertising business model to one driven by data and tech. And so in 2020, when the lockdowns happened, We were not only already all online, but we were. Our business model did depend on advertising, and that's the reason why this year we surpassed our targets that we had set a year ago. Right. So, so that's it. I guess Nietzsche was right: what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and adversity makes you stronger.
0: Hmm. Three final espresso shots, Maria. What is the best career advice? You've ever gotten?
1: Make the choice to learn. And I got this when I was, you know, my my mentor, when I was still in college, I interned in the United States and she was with the radio and television RTNDA. And she just, you know, I, I couldn't decide. I had gotten a Fulbright to go to the Philippines or I had a corporate, like a few corporate job offers. And I went to her and she said, okay, well, stop taking them all apart. Just where will you learn? And at that point, you can learn in many different directions. So make the choice to learn the most, right? Where is that? And that's a pretty good, whenever there's a fork in the road, I ask myself that question all the time. I don't like staying in the same place. I'm not a treadmill person and I want to keep learning. So that's, that's a great, I think every other thing folds into that. The more you learn, the more you can do.
0: I love that. Love it. So, Maria, what movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, streaming shows, or books do you think accurately depict your profession? And I'll, I'll lob you one here because I know that there was a documentary that, <laughs> that was made about Rappler and your experience that was shown at the 2020 Sundance Film Festival.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's out. It's out now in the US, actually, a thousand cuts. So that came from Al-Qaeda's death by a thousand cuts, right? That was in Inspire magazine. Oh, Lord, what books? I mean, you know, I there's several that I live by right now, which is they're the things that have to do with where we are. Shoshana Zuboff's the age of surveillance capitalism. I know that sounds kind of, it's, it's, I almost call her like the Karl Marx. I mean, because she takes apart the economics of the internet we live in, Mm. she gives us a foundation of thinking about it. Because in the end, and I hate to be this blunt, everything moves, everything's about power and money. And journalists are the ones who stand up actually challenge both, right? And I, you know, that's the biggest problem I see with the gatekeepers today is that there, there isn't, you know, the kind of the mission of journalism to hold power to account of the new gatekeepers. But, you know, so that's one book I, I, you know, I thought you were going to ask me about today. You know, I just finished watching The Crown and I picked up Martin Gilbert's Churchill because there, I think this is another one of those times it's a, it's an inflection point in history. We will either save democracy or head towards fascism globally. This is what we're seeing. And that is triggered by the networks of distribution of the news. Right. So, yeah, I'm not really giving you anything. I haven't really read a novel in a while. Oh, no, it that's doesn't so have to be a yes. novel. You've given us plenty. Amazing. Uh, this is great. I'll, I'll, I'll add one more. That, yeah. That, you know, that's Sina MIT from MIT spent the last 20 years studying engi- engineering, public policy, and his book called The Hype Machine was released September 15th this year. And it is one, it's probably the most succinct. There's one graphic in that book that tells you how your cell phone connects to the digital networks that gather data, both of these gather data, to the algorithms that change and nudge your behavior in particular ways. And, you know, Shoshana Zuboff and Sina Nural together, when you look at them in a philosophical way, then you begin to walk into the movies like The Matrix. If I'm being nudged all the time by the devices I use and the platforms I put in my atomized self, where is the point where you no longer have independent thought, where we no longer have agency? And, and that's, that's my philosophical question today. Cause I think we might have already gone beyond that point.
0: Mm. I'm just going to, I looked it up while we were talking. It's called the hype machine. It's H Y P E hype machine. How yeah. social media disrupts our elections, our economy and our health and how we must adapt. We will include links to everything Maria mentioned in show notes. Thank you, Maria. Final question. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession? And I have to say, you've already raised a few things.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think people who run news organizations don't admit enough that we don't know where we're standing right now and how we, how we will evolve for the future. That it is, that everything has already been destroyed. At least the world you and I used to live in, it's gone, right? The, the CNN that we, I love that time period. I was learning so much, but that old world is gone. And the world that's replaced it is somewhere between like the worst version of itself, which was, I think, you know, when when the whole, when, when technology came in and gave the wrong incentives to these kinds of content, it's not even journalism. Again, the biggest reminder is, you know, in 2018, Science Magazine published a study that said, that showed you that lies spread faster than facts. And in our data in the Philippines, lies laced With anger and hate spread faster and further than facts. So, when you live in a world where the distribution platforms for news are biased against facts, what does that mean? And how do we evolve in that time period? So, I think, you know, that the most surprising is, to me, the most surprising is that quicksand and that. You know, we need we need to do a clarion call for every citizen in a democracy. It, it isn't just about news organizations having to build trust. It's about the fact that meaning has been atomized into meaninglessness. And we are throwing our stories to audiences that are being manipulated by the platforms where they get information they need. To live, right, at a time of COVID when lies can mean the difference between life and death. Mm. So it's existential, I guess. I, I I'm finding my way into the answer as we're talking, you know, but this is an existential moment. And the more we call it the more we call it that, then the better we can galvanize. And we used to have these debates about, you know, the government's ability to give more information about terrorist, potential terrorist attacks so that the public can understand. This is one of those moments again, except the problem is not just the government giving action, it's the fact that the public is being inundated by too much. And so how do we find what we need? And that isn't just in the news groups. That's not just in a journalist's toolkit. And that, I guess, is the last one, which is that we've lost our gatekeeping powers We've lost a very powerful part of news, which used to be in the news organization's hands. Well, how do we evolve out of that? Mm. And I think we're going to need to do it with our communities, and we'll have to do this together.
0: Well, I'm glad that you ended on a somewhat helpful (laughs) note there, Maria, because, well, just to reiterate a point I made earlier young, bright, passionate journalists are needed now more than ever before and please step up to the plate and
1: yeah yeah wait wait can i add to that please it's just it's this is the time to live your ideals you can do it better than we can maybe right so that's the, that's what's exciting about this moment is that we don't know the answers. We're, we're searching, we're finding our way into the answers. And your what you do matters.
0: Maria, oh gosh, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee with me and the t for c community. If our listeners want to learn more about what Maria does, As the CEO and executive editor of Rappler, please check out show notes to see if her main time for coffee has already dropped. Maria, you are amazing. I want to just give you a big virtual hug and thank you so, so much.
1: Thanks for having me. Andrea, hugs back. Thanks
0: so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time4coffee.org the number four, coffee.org, or text me at 202 two three six five seven one two that's two oh two two three six five seven one two